this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today's podcast, recording on a very nice, bright spring morning in early April. Wednesday, day after the Trump indictment released from the Manhattan District Attorney. 37 counts. Or was it 36? It was 36 or 37. Something about the number, number 37. Anyway, felony charges of falsifying business records. Now, if uh, you're a regular person and you uh, get charged with those kind of things and there's overwhelming evidence that you did it, I highly recommend you retain good counsel quickly and you're probably going to need to reach some sort of plea deal. Donald Trump's going in a different direction. He's not pleading guilty. He's pleading not guilty. He's saying he's completely innocent. Um, Even though he's not. Um, Prosecutors tend to go a little more lenient on you, though, if you admit that you made a mistake. Maximum penalty isn't a crazy number of years, but it's the maximum penalty for each one is like a couple years or something. But we're not going to put a president in jail, but he's also not going to admit wrongdoing, so kind of a quandary, you know, what do we do with this guy? Criminal justice system acts really, really, really slow if you're wealthy and powerful. And you add add the kicker that he actually was one of the 45 people who actually became the president of the United States. Number 45, that's an added wrinkle. This this all this talk of former president has never been indicted before, charged with a crime kind of ignores the elephant in the room. Our country's never elected a Donald John Trump before either. You know, a famous con man, D-list celebrity guy who became a game show host. Millions of people just didn't know who he was or did and didn't care. It's difficult to understand the rationale as to why so many supported him. There's a lot of excuses given as to why they didn't like one of the other options being presented. But not a lot of, because a lot of the stuff as to the praising of the man was based off of false information or misleading information. There's a lot of people that would say that Donald Trump was lent $1 million because that's something that he would say. But that, that's a false statement. He was given $400 million in today's dollars as a birthright. Trust fund was created for him at birth. He wasn't given a loan of $1 million by his father father paid for the luxurious life that Donald John Trump became accustomed to, paid for him to go to fancy schools and the like, give him his first job out of college and the like. So it really shouldn't be that shocking that Donald John Trump is finally facing criminal charges. The only shocking part is that it is after he did serve a full term as the president of the United States of America. So that's, that's the kind of added wrinkle there. Shocking that Donald John Trump, famous con man who's been skirting legality for decades, fully out in the open and kind of being boastful and braggadocious about his corrupt way of doing business. He leans into it pretty heavy. That particular character facing criminal charges is not shocking at all. You know, it's been a long time coming. I thought he was basically done 
25 years ago as I was getting ready to graduate high school, but then he, he popped back when the producer of Survivor, another hit game show, became a hit. Reality game show, I guess, or something. It was called Reality TV, but it was a game show. And Donald Trump hosted the business-themed one, thus reviving his career. Him saying racist stuff at the height of that show's fame, and thus the network deciding to cancel the show because he was saying racist stuff and alienating fans. Uh, but because he was doing that, uh, it gained political viability to be the leader of the free world. Because he was no longer going to be eligible to be a game show host, the network that was hiring him, he was a high, considered a high-value employee of the, uh, what, ABC was it on? Yeah, they were going to cancel his show, uh, so he ran for president again. Been doing it for a long time. Most of the time as a Democrat, way, way back in the day, he ran as Reformed Party candidate, but did not get the nomination. It went to Pat Buchanan instead. Yeah. So, yes, our country's never indicted a former president before, but our country elected Donald John Trump in, fame, you know, in 2016. So, it was inevitable that, well, now we have to. It was also inevitable that we were going to finally have to use the impeachment process and remove a president from office, but uh, the Republican Party just refused to do that. They said abuse of power is not a reason for a person to lose their job. He has to be charged with a crime, but he can't be charged with a crime while he's the president. So they said, wait till he's no longer the president. Mitch McConnell said that. Yeah, he can't be removed because he hasn't been convicted of a crime and he can't be until he's no longer in office. So that's what the criminal justice system should do. And now it's slowly, several years later, finally coming to that. And there's more cases still on the horizon for Trump. His, whatever happens with this particular case that was uh, information revealed about yesterday, indictments unsealed and all that, that's just the beginning. Um, that's just one case. So you obviously can't be in court at two places at once so it's probably just the, the next ones are probably just going to wait till this one comes to a conclusion before they even start the other ones because he can't be in two places at once he's entitled to defense so he'll have to wait to defend himself in court after he finishes this case so that'll be his delay tactic thing you know push off facing reckoning on these other cases by just staying in the one case as long as possible. I think that's going to be his his attorney's strategy. Uh, just delay as long as possible because you've still got more coming, and they're not going to come until this case comes to a conclusion. I predict I'm not a lawyer or anything, but just based off of the kind of, you know, absorbing legal analysis and just kind of, well, and the fact that he's right to defend himself and he would have his right to have his day in court and all that kind of thing so since he can't be in two places at once the other cases aren't going to even start until this first one is done 36 37 felony charges of falsifying business records in order to cover up a crime uh, and that is what he did 
but this is the criminal justice system of the United States of America, and you are innocent until proven guilty. He has the right to defend himself. He, his defense was he did nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing wrong. Even what we already know, he did do. He did do something wrong. Whether it was intentional or he, ha he has some sort of reason as to why he did it, but his reasons are more that he knowingly, you know, did this. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. But it feels like it's like the body language of Trump seemed to suggest that that guy is, it's like, maybe it's finally sinking in. He's in the twilight of his years, and yeah, his best years are way, way, way behind him now. He's finally going to have to face some reckoning, because it's been decades coming. I think he thought he was going to be able to avoid it by becoming the president. And that, that just delayed it, because the organization that picked him said, no, he, he can't face any sort of reckoning or consequences for his action right now because he's the president, the most powerful person in the world, and he needs to retain that power even though he's we've acknowledged that he is abusing it for his own personal gain, the power of the presidency commander-in-chief of the United States military. He's abusing it. We acknowledge that says Republican leadership, but we are not going to fire him. He gets to keep his job. It's an interesting world, man. It's an interesting country. But it's, uh, the Trump story is winding down. He will be facing reckoning. When, whatever the results of this case, it's only the beginning. As soon as it's over, the next cases will commence. And I have a feeling that's exactly what it is. I bet they already have all their ducks in a row. And they're just going to continue to line them up nice and perfect. While they have the time. While this other case is going. The other cases are just going to keep, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. It's white-collar crime. There's paper trails. And then when you have that corroborated with witness testimony, you can try to attack the character of the... Witness all you want, but they're corroborating, you know, a paper trail. So attacking the character of the witness isn't really going to get you too far, you know. Like they're explaining what what you know the evidence is. You know, they're translating all these records for you. So attacking their character is kind of irrelevant. It's kind of that killing the messenger thing shoot the messenger thing but that's going to be Trump's strategy as well it's going to be delay and then the, his attorneys are going to attack the character of uh, various defense witnesses or various uh, prosecution witnesses like Michael Cohen and stuff he used to work for Trump and went to jail for Trump because of his actions that he engaged in because of Trump and that's the specific thing here the hush money case Campaign finance donations used to keep a particular person quiet, sign a non-disclosure agreement, coded as attorney fees, when really it was a, you know, a hush money payment to avoid a political scandal. It's not what... Is it? yeah. It's falsifying business records. 
but again, it's just the beginning. It's, uh, I don't know. Hopeful that in this vacuum that a lot of new options get presented, but it, it's like we're still, like the way media covered the indictment thing, it's like it's, well, first time ever a president has been charged with a crime, but it's, yeah, yeah, but, but it's Donald Trump, you know, yeah, we, it's been a long time coming, you, you know, this has been a several year long slow motion train wreck, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, Trump's getting charged with a crime, yeah, about time, okay, can we, uh, so is the organization I picked them going to start looking for new candidates, or are they still all in on Trump? And we're going to say that it's like a political witch hunt, but they're really sticking with that. That's the, and the news is going to still put microphones and spend time and energy asking those very particular people questions and stuff, the, the R's. What do you think about this story? Because their opinion is so important. They're one of the two options we're presented, so we, we need to hear their, uh, their opinion on everything. On mainstream media, you know, they believe that Trump is completely innocent, and it's a political windshut. These are, you know, elected representatives and senators, governors in some cases even, that are. That's what they're using their power with. Taxpayer dollars spent to pay their salary, and that's what they're doing with their power. Trump is being, you know, he's, it's a witch hunt still. Because it it gets the people that are real into Trump that adore the man, that gets them excited. But his the adoration for him is, is lessening. There's people that are willing, you know, it's one thing to put the sticker on your car and to go to his rallies or something. But it's another thing to commit crimes on his behalf or to, you know, commit time, even just to, Set time out of your day in the middle of the week, travel across the country or something to go to New York to, you know, protest out in public, proudly proclaiming your allegiance to the man as he faces criminal charges for pretty obviously. And, and what what he did is criminal conduct, but you are innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, he has a right to defend himself. What is his defense? It, it's unclear. Yeah, there was a few folks that were still there. They're still with them to this day, you know. And the Republican Party knows that that's, that's their only shot in their minds. You know, they can't appeal to the moderate voter, certainly anyone even remotely left of center. Just forget them. And, and in fact, best yet, alienate those folks because that'll get the folks that are real into Trump more excited. You know, if you kind of just you know, alienate 55, 60, 70% of the populace, but really embolden the ones that are real into Trump. But the ones that are real into Trump, they're dropping. Republican Party went all in on this Trumpism thing years ago, and yeah, it's like it's time to cash in, cash out or something. Like, it's time for payment. Like, when... When do they tap out or when, when do they face some reckoning for th this many years of going all in on Trump? A guy that was a known nefarious character they gave the nomination to anyway. Their field of candidates all said that they would still pick him and they endorse him as well, even though he's clearly and obviously not one of them. And they had plenty of negative things to say about him. But 
because he had an R next to his name, they all gleefully said that they would still vote for him. You know, that organization just lost its way over many years. It cast out members who, you know, had integrity, who spoke the truth, who spoke truth to power. Leaders in the Republican Party cast those members out and said, you're, you're not welcome in our organization anymore. You care too much. You know, you're, you're too much about law and order. And you're not much enough about protecting Donald Trump. You know, all the power of the resources of the United States government, and that is what many high-ranking Republican officials chose to do. Protect the interest of one Donald John Trump, famous billionaire dipshit guy who became a game show host. And they did for years. And they bragged about it fully out in the open. It's on the news. It's part of the public record. It's part of the history of the United States of America now. This stretch of time. The Trump era. And we're in its hopefully final conclusion here. But it's like, what does it transition to? Does it get worse? Does it only amplify the sort of extremist type candidates that are blatantly leaning into a pro-fascist style government? A government that's corrupt, unethical, deceitful, cruel, and caters all its power and energy and resources in protecting a very small group of people, primarily the supreme leader, and whoever the supreme leader of among his close constituents he feels like protecting. That's what Trump was doing. Yeah, he used all the power that he was given for his own personal gain. And the organization that picked him said, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. By and large. Some of them said it was wrong, and many of the ones that said it was wrong, they were the ones that were cast out of the organization. Trump abused his power. He shouldn't do that, said some Republicans. So later, they were primaried by the organization. You're not loyal enough to Trump. You need to be loyal to Trump. That's what it means to be small government fiscal conservative. You need to, be, you need to use your post as House member of the House, a congressperson, or a senator, you need to use that post and that power to protect the way of life of one Donald John Trump, a man born into wealth and privilege, inherited $400 million throughout the 80s and 90s. He was mostly famous for cheating on his wife, saying racist and sexist and stupid shit. In the early 90s, he had a cameo in Home Alone 2. One of his famous incidents was he uh, paid for an ad in the New York Post or Times, I forget which New York paper, demanding that the death penalty be brought back. He was positive that five teenagers accused of a crime were guilty. The reason he was 100% positive was because of their skin color. No, he did not ever apologize or say he was wrong in any way, shape, or form, even after the five were vindicated, exonerated. They didn't commit the crime. Trump was positive, though, because of their skin color. Many years later, was it all that much of a shocker that Donald John Trump started saying racist, stupid shit about the first African-American president? No. The shocker part was news airing it as news. You know, does ABC, NBC, CBS air David Duke rallies? It's like, why are you airing Donald John Trump unedited, commercial-free, while I'm trying to eat dinner, you know? Like, why is that news? Yeah, he's an old racist white guy, born into wealth and privilege. Did you not know that? I mean, that was an old story. Yeah, he never apologized for it. He never admitted that what he did was wrong to, 
to know that people are guilty of a crime because of what their skin color is. That's called racism. Yeah. They need to be executed. They obviously did it. Yeah. He was one of those guys, and he was a, a profoundly vicious kind of <laughs> racist. But he had a nice suit on, I guess, or something. I, I don't really get where the confusion is. That was a known part of his story, but all the glitz and glamour and whatever, it distracted people. And then all the failure, I guess, distracted people just ignored that because he's always had his name on a tall building somewhere. Trump was just everywhere. So even as he was just fuck up after fuck up, failure after failure, it's like, well, he's on TV and he has a nice suit. He has lots of fancy things, so he must be successful. He has to be, right? No, no, you don't. You, no. <laughs> Welcome to America. If you're born into the wealth, you, you could be a colossal fuck-up, and it does not matter. You'll be able to maintain a life of affluence in perpetuity. It, yeah. No, you do not need to be successful. No, you don't need to do shit. You don't ever have to work a day in your life if you're born with the type of wealth that Donald John Trump was. His kids are the same way. Yeah. They would, of course, argue and say that they do certain things. They've created certain things and do this and that, whatever. They have certain titles. Yeah. A lot of it's just sort of money exchanging hands, paper entities exchanging hands. A lot of them, yeah, they don't really do shit, you know? It's another that kind of elephant in the room thing. It's one of those things where once you know too much, kind of, it's difficult to accept certain kind of premises. You know, $400 million that Donald John Trump inherited allowed him to live a life of luxury in perpetuity as long as very basic elementary type investments were made for him, which they were because those monies were in a trust. Ideally fixed annuities, something that can pay you, say, a few hundred thousand dollars per month forever. You could very easily make that type of investment with an inheritance of $400 million. With an allowance of two, three hundred dollars Two, three hundred thousand dollars a month in virtually tax-free allowance, you could obviously maintain a pretty comfortable living, and you could probably have some pretty expensive habits, you know, like a nine thousand dollar a month helicopter lease or private jet that you're leasing for twenty grand a month or something, or whatever the fuck, you, you, you know. Yeah, you you could be spending lots of money if you have a trust fund that's paying you a couple hundred thousand dollars a month in virtually tax-free income forever. Yeah, you could buy stuff with it. It doesn't mean you're successful. You know, It just means you have a very particular birthright that was created for you by your father that allows you to live extremely luxuriously regardless of how much of a fuck-up you are. Yeah. That's been the story of Donald John Trump even up until he became a game show host. Again, he was just a has-been, had nothing going on, and then the producer of a game show wanted to make Donald Trump, John Trump the host. No, he did not have some new business venture that was awesome and well-renowned, and no, he was never considered that. I don't, again, I don't, I never understood where the confusion was. I never really... Why did people think he was so awesome when there are other business types that have real business acumen, you know, real ability to create innovative products and services that are new and different and change the game. Donald Trump is not one of them. Selling steaks at an electronics store is not like 
Wow, that's an amazing idea. What a great place to sell steaks. Sharper image, says Donald John Trump. That was one of his ventures. Or how about Trump vodka? Because he doesn't drink alcohol, but how about buy some vodka from Trump? But he doesn't even drink. So many stupid and failed business ventures over the years, but it's just he had so much money he could throw it around. So he could use his living allowance and maybe some other investments that were made for him in his trust to create some company. The company goes increases in value because it gets money from lenders. Company has a certain value for a while, and then the company, after a while, because he's, you know, can't run a proper business, the company goes bankrupt. And then he can uh, claim his investment as a loss, even though his allowance is not really considered income it's 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 a uh, it's not taxed as income it's different so he can uh, have something where he's reporting like negative income even though he's not you know but so i don't know the shocking is the news is trying to present it that like it's the first time ever a former president has been charged with a crime it, again, it's it's avoiding the massive, huge elephant in the room that in 2016, our country elected for the first time ever a one Donald John Trump. Our country elected a famous con man, dealer celebrity guy who, you know, who, who had zero experience, zero qualifications to hold the post. But one of the two organizations that were allowed to choose from picked him and it was their turn to win. So it didn't really matter who they picked. They, they picked a colossally unqualified candidate. Um, it, you know, again, he was a host of a hit show and stuff. And because of that, a lot of people had a certain perception of him that was presented because of the show and the character he was playing of himself. But that was a TV show. The reality of the man prior to and during and since, you know, none of it justified him being the president. You know, it, this is a guy with known criminal ties and stuff. And at some point, he was going to have to face some kind of criminal consequences. There's no, no way you can skirt the law that long, again, regardless of whether he becomes the president or not. The fact that the Republican Party picked him doesn't mean that, like, well, oh, now he's going to get away with it. You know, we've never charged a former president with a crime before. Yeah, but, but our country elected Trump. He finished in second place and we still hadn't gotten rid of the Electoral College yet. We still haven't yet. You know, we, we need to get rid of that because it's stupid. There's Especially when there's only two options to choose from type thing. And especially when it shouldn't really matter where you live. Um, if you live in a city, it doesn't mean you vote Democrat. It means you live in a city. It's probably more diverse, more range of people. So... Democratic Party is the organization that attempts in vain, attempts to protect the interests of people, democracy. Republican Party in its modern form is an organization that protects the interests of the republic as defined by the wealthy and powerful that currently control the republic. Got to preserve the republic, meaning preserve their power, their way of life, preserve the estates of the wealthy, preserve the portfolios of the people that own the economy. And, yeah. And then also provide legal defense and all kinds of other things, it seems, during the Trump hour, for its 
very particular constituency, you know, wealthy people of privilege and power, use the power and resources of the government to protect them from, you know, legal exposure. And uh, Attorney General Barr did that throughout the Trump tenure. There's all kinds of lackeys in the Trump thing. Lots of them have already gone to jail or faced some sort of criminal consequences. His followers that he uh, ordered to invade the Capitol, many of them faced criminal charges. So that's how it works. You kind of work your way up to the kingpin. You know, that's how the criminal justice system investigates organized crime and such. You know, you, you start with the underlings and then you work your way up and various deals and you know, plea bargains and stuff to gain information for ever higher up. So many of his uh, high-ranking uh, supporters or whatever, um, they have faced reckoning. So now it's time for Trump. Now it's time for Trump to face some reckoning, the organization that picked him to face some reckoning, the, the organization that stuck with him for way too many years, emboldened him, empowered him, engaged in divisive, violent rhetoric for years and years and years, divided the populace against each other. There, there needs to be some reckoning now, you know. They can't just continue to dominate the government even though they do not have majority support of the people. We're gonna, they're overstepping their power while they're gaining basic responsibilities. They're getting really into the weeds now with the abortion thing. Republican Party and its leadership is doubling and tripling down. They have passed really cruel and vicious laws designed to suppress women. And they've passed in certain states, and that is those laws' purpose. They're framed differently in rhetoric. Yeah. The verbiage used to justify said laws has something to do with saving babies. But the actual laws that they're creating don't have anything to do with that. It has to do with punishing women. So those laws are being challenged. Government man, as especially with ones with R's next to their name, feel that they have the right to know very personal information about just about every woman that's out there. They have a right to kind of ask them very personal questions and then investigate their actions as to why they went to a doctor and to look into all very personal matters. Government man has the right to charge woman with a crime because she went to the doctor and needed to have a procedure done. He disagrees with that procedure and believes that he would never get it. No, he obviously can't. He can't get it because it's an only only procedure that pregnant women get if they need to. As to why they need to, it's not really any government man's business. People saying stuff and believing things, that's fine and dandy. I would love it if they offered some alternatives, though, too. They're, they're so much about pro-life. Okay, so when that baby's born, that baby's going to have access to health care, quality nutrition... Mom who just had, you know, nine-month pregnancy is now going to have maternity leave. Yes, 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 right? Pro-lifers, yes, right? Um, and the answer is no from them. Uh, no, woman should go to jail because she went to the doctor. And that's, that's what the pro, 
but that's not really though. The reality is is that a lot of the pro-lifers are more like pro-life and uncomfortable with the procedure of abortion, don't really like it, would never get it. But the idea of punishing a woman for needing to get it doesn't seem right, doesn't seem empathetic, doesn't seem put yourself in someone else's shoes kind of thing at all. It seems vindictive and cruel, whether you're pro-choice, pro-life, or whatever. Government man knocking on some woman's door and then interrogating her and asking her questions and then threatening her with jail time because she went to the doctor the other day. That doesn't seem empathetic. doesn't seem small government. doesn't seem individual liberty at all. It seems very much the opposite. It's quite amazing how the Republican Party gets away with claiming it to be individual liberty, small government, when it's very much not. Not even remotely, really, right now. It has a certain set of focuses that just don't really have anything to do with protecting the interests of people. Real live, living, breathing humans in this country that are doing all the work. Busting their ass at 24-7, you know. We're a 24-7 society. Our economy runs non-stop. And it requires a good portion of the public to be working. At least every shift, you know. Whatever shift it is, there's, there's someone, there's millions of people working. The rest of us have our sleep. There's people maintaining all kinds of things, making sure things are still running smoothly, making sure goods and services are getting where they need to be. Yeah, now those wealthy folks, they're, they're not the ones doing that, though, but they do are the ones that own the entities. Yeah. So the Republican Party is the organization that protects those people's interests, the ones that own the entities that we work for. The Republican Party is the organization that cuts those people's tax rate. The people that own the economy that receive revenue by owning stuff. They can get more revenue if they pay their employees less money and don't offer them benefits because those are expenses. Now, yes, it may mean that the employees become more productive and thus may later reveal to increase sales, but it would, it would cause increased expenses in the short term and may decrease profit margin. So, owners of the economy are against that and give lots of money to Republican-owned candidates to make sure that they continue to vote in their favor. Sometimes certain politicians are not supposed to be politicians, but they are in the judicial branch. You're not really supposed to be a politician, but Clarence Thomas is one. Yeah, he's a, he's a Republican. You're not really supposed to be Republican or Democrat if you're serving, especially on the Supreme Court, but Clarence Thomas is a Republican through and through. He accepts massive amounts of money from Republican donors. That's a recent story. He's been taking money from a Republican billionaire for decades now. You know, spoiled with lavish trips, all kinds of monies, and, you know, the money's, it doesn't come for free. It, it's a reward for, you know, ruling in certain ways. That's what the money's for. And that's what Clarence Thomas gave up in order to get the money. He had to be willing to continue to rule in favor of the type of people that are giving him the massive amounts of money and spoiling him with lavish trips. There is obviously a conflict of interest, but there's no ethics laws in Supreme Court, and they serve for life. 
we need to fix that. Yeah, they're, they're not infallible. They are human beings. And they have the final say, so we need to make sure that the ones that have the final say should have the final say. And uh, right now it's clear that Clarence Thomas is one of the people on the Supreme Court who should not have that level of power and responsibility anymore because he's abuses it. He, he's been swayed by very specific political elements. Extremely wealthy Republican donors have given him money directly for many, many, many years, and he took the money. You don't have to take the money, but if you do, you're selling something. And so he sold that. He sold his integrity. You know, He gave that up. He gave up his impartial judicial ability to rule in favor of getting lots of money and being spoiled by a wealthy guy on lavish trips and stuff. He took the money. He shouldn't have took the money, but it's been discovered that he did take the money. So something needs to be done about it. Are the Republican Party going to be the ones that initiate anything like that? Of course not. Because uh, they're going to need him on their side as uh, the abortion ruling heats up. People are challenging the ruling, as they should. You know, government man, again, feels that he has the right to, you know, intimidate, threaten women with jail time. A very selectively enforced law. It can't be fully enforced, so government man by nature is going to selectively enforce which woman to pursue with criminal charges that went to the doctor. They needed to have a procedure done. Government man is not going to be able to have the resources to go after every single one of the women that needed to have a procedure done. He's not going to be able to find out every single one. Okay. You are innocent until proven guilty. You are adding that as a crime and making it part of the judicial system. So needless to say, the Supreme Court will be getting involved if certain states have said that certain pills are now illegal that have already been FDA approved. Government man, again, believes that he has every right to know what a woman is putting in her body and to regulate all kinds of things about her behavior. That is something the Republican Party supports adamantly. And again, this is also in addition to the generations-long war on certain types of plants. Many humans and beings in this country benefit from a certain type of plant known as cannabis. It goes by other names, but its Latin name is cannabis. Cannabis sativa, cannabis indica. This particular plant was declared illegal many years ago, and various Republican operatives, and sometimes even Democrat, have supported said legislation that declares this plant to be illegal and a crime in and of itself. Because it's a plant, you know, it, it can be grown literally anywhere, and uh, all it requires is water and sunshine, so it can be grown extremely cheaply. Uh, it's impossible to fully regulate or whatever, or to fully abolish or something. It's a plant. It can be grown anywhere. It comes from a seed. The seeds are the size of a seed. They're tiny little seeds. You put them in the ground and give it water and sunshine, and then just leave it alone for a while. It'll start growing. It's called a plant. It responds to photosynthesis. Government agents in this country many years ago declared that that particular plant is a crime. The reason being it's a gateway drug is the, is the terminology they used. The specific, this is why we are going to put people in jail for using this plant, having it in their possession, or growing it. 
we are saying it's a gateway drug. That term means that they believe that people who use cannabis will have an extremely high likelihood of developing a cocaine and or heroin habit within very short order and will die of an overdose of those far more dangerous drugs that are also concentrated versions of a plant. Yeah. That's the entirety of the uh, cannabis needs to still continue to be illegal argument uh, from many Republican leaders, the small government individual liberty party. Many humans, including myself, benefit from cannabis. They feel better. You know, they less pain and aches, you know, mind moving more smoothly. None of what I'm saying matters to Republican government man. You, know, you are a person who uses cannabis, therefore you're a criminal. Cannabis is a crime. They've decided. They've decided it's bad for you, so they're going to punish certain people. Again, it's another one of those selectively enforced laws, another one of those laws created primarily by Republican leaders to oppress certain groups of people, primarily with the war on drugs, war on cannabis, main group that the government men you know, detained, arrested, ruined lives of were minorities, primarily African-American men. The main group tended to go to jail for possession, selling, or growing a plant or a concentrated version of a plant. They were the main group that would face severe consequences for having that plant. Plant. Now, it was called the war on drugs, but the reality is the primary drug that was considered most dangerous was actually a plant, and then cocaine and heroin are concentrated versions of a plant. very same people that would fight, engage in these war on drugs are also the ones that would take massive amounts of money from pharmaceutical companies that manufacture drugs. Meanwhile, the war on drugs is actually a war on plants and concentrated versions of plants. Now, it does also extend to methamphetamine going after that, and that's good to make uh, meth illegal, but the main reason meth is in demand is because cocaine is illegal, a concentrated version of a plant of which there is no substitute for. Because it's illegal, it's controlled on the black market at highly inflated prices. If it was a plant, you could just grow it, and the cost would be the cost to grow a plant. But because it's a, something that's in highly demand, but extremely expensive if you buy it on the black market, people still demand it, but they can't afford it. So the next best alternative in their mind is to mix a bunch of fucking household chemicals together and to get some sort of uh, effect that's sort of similar to coke, but it's not. It's way different because it's you're, it, it's not a concentrated version of a plant. It's a bunch of chemicals mixed together, and it's extremely dangerous. Just the mixing of it together is dangerous, and putting it in your body is, could be lethal. Not that cocaine is safe, but anyway, the whole reason there's a demand for the, the substance known as meth is because cocaine is illegal. You know, it's, it's a plant that has particular qualities. You know, the tribal peoples of Central America, they discovered the plant that it comes from, the, the leaf. If you chew on the leaf, they would get a heightened certain awareness for a little bit. It's like several cups of coffee, you know, just chewing on one leaf, just kind of tucking it under, underneath your lip or something. But that's just the plant. Cocaine is a concentrated version of that leaf. It goes through extensive process. 
and then so the effects are more potent, concentrated. Yep. But again, government man who says individual liberty, small government, many of them do support spending massive amounts of money and government resources on incarcerating people who are using, growing, or selling certain types of plants that there is no substitute for. That people demand because they feel better with them. You know, Some of them do have side effects in many of these plants, but many of them are less than the kind of side effects that are advertised on TV by drugs. Ask your doctor about this. Side effects include, and it's like, holy shit. You know, the, the basic, like, nausea, diarrhea, that's, like, on every single one of them. That's, like, it's just kind of standard. Yeah, you, you might start feeling really nauseous, and uh, you might shit your pants for taking this fucking pill. Oh, boy. But there's also, like, dehydration, and then, like, heart palpitations and stroke. It's like, holy shit. All kinds of stuff. It's weird. Yeah. It just sets a backwards place right now. It, we, we keep getting in our own way. We, we continue, as we have for many, many generations, have a country of immense, immense potential. And every generation we continue to be one that doesn't come anywhere near meeting our potential. We continue to insist on not going in that direction and continue to insist on desperately maintaining some idealized ide dang it that word got tongue tied on me some perfect idea of what the status quo was you know this uh, maintain we got to maintain th this is what it is and it, it, there's always this there's certain elements that try to like oh right here just static things you know no more moving forward you know, and that's just not what life is. It's a round planet. We're billions of people on this planet. United States of America is one country, one place. You know, and other peoples, other societies, other we are affected. You know, you try to want this America first nonsense stuff. It's like we multicultural nation on a on a round planet. You know, we are interconnected, whether you want to be or not, and you can kind of stick your head in sand and try to be isolated from the world, live your life however you want. Nonetheless, we are an interconnected place, you know. We are connected to the world. People come and go, and that's what, it's part of what makes us what we are. For the last many uh, decades, I would refer to myself as a, an optimistic realist. I continue to be that way. Mince optimism for the future of the country. But a certain realism and understanding where things are now, what our past has been, the kind of things this country has done. A wide variety of negative ways, you know. It's it's a it's a tumultuous past, our country. It's a it's a tumultuous melting pot. It's the big grand experiment of all human experiments. But it was kind of like the foundation for other ones that kind of subsequent after. But it's like how we work kind of will give some insight of the ones that came after, democracies. Ours is not perfectly formed yet. It still has some kinks that we're still working out. Still some imperfections, still some sort of 
remnants of the sort of old world order kind of thing. You know, people who are born into a certain group should have a little bit more say in things. A sort of republic kind of idea. It still permeates to this day. Some people should have more say in things. Their, their vote should have a greater value. Based off of, in some cases, it's just where they live. If you live in a certain part of the country, your vote should have a greater level of value when you vote for the president. That ideology is called the Electoral College. Based off of where you vote, where you're a citizen of, your vote is going to have a varying level of value in the actual election. It isn't just one vote equals one. No. Because they tally the results in each state, and then based off of that results, a candidate either wins or doesn't win. A candidate that wins gets a certain specific number that's pre-designated. No matter what number of people participated in the election, no matter what the percentage was, or anything like that, no matter what the margin of victory was, none of that matters. Whoever wins, quote-unquote, the state, they get 100% of their own hand-picked electoral voters to vote on their behalf and to vote for them 30 days later. This is called the Electoral College. It was a very particular voting mechanism created to appease the southern slave states way back in the early days of our country. Slavery. Yeah, back when slavery was legal. That's when the Electoral College was created and why it was created. One of the reasons for needing to have an honest assessment of this country is because we do have a tumultuous past. We haven't been perfect. A lot of people like to think of ourselves, and, and many have along all along the way. You know, we're the best ever, you know. But we're so awesome. We're very full of ourselves. If you don't like it, leave. Yeah, or whatever, you know. But teaching the history of the Electoral College would now be probably fall under, I guess, critical race theory, I guess. You know, it's like part of our, a huge part of our history is race relations. We are the big grand experiment. At some point early in our history, people in government, white men of privilege, that was the only ones who had power in the early days. It slowly broadened over time. But in the early, early days, yeah, certain humans living in this country weren't even considered human. They were considered three-fifths of a human as far as representation, but they had no actual vote, and they were considered property. Yeah. that That's part of the history of the United States of America. The fact that because some people were so unwilling to acknowledge it or something, or I don't know what, it had to actually be designated a specific kind of beyond just even Black History Month. Critical race theory, as in critical, that you understand race relations and the history of them throughout this country. That it's, it is the history of the United States of America. You know, if you're not understanding that, then you're not understanding the true history. If all you're doing is memorizing dates and names and when wars were won and stuff, you're not getting the full picture. You're not understanding everything. So much of the hierarchy and who has power and such like that is born from that sort of remnants of that. It's been slowly trampled away over time, but it's we still got a ways to go. 
you know, there's still very much people in positions of power because they abused the power that was bestowed on because of the system. Donald Trump is a descendant of those types of people, you know, that benefited from that very particular type of hierarchy, and they very much supported it. Donald Trump's father was a vicious, cruel man. Sued by the government in the early 70s, Donald John Trump's foray into fame. They were sued by, on behalf of the government, for a reason. You know, they, they had a, a racist way of deciding who should be their tenant. Basically, it's a screening process. If you were a certain race, you would be designated a certain area. And if you were another, socioeconomics didn't matter. It was racism. It was post-Civil Rights Act. It was Donald Trump's foray into fame, though. Supporting under, because he comes from a certain type of power that he, that they got because of that type of system, very much so. You know, we didn't have for many years a true merit-based system, and we're still working on getting there. Merit-based, true merit-based. You know, in some cases, the some systems have to like purposely like say we will at least interview some people that don't fit the archetype that we normally have. And then, of course, when they do, when they're forced to actually at least look at other candidates that don't look a certain way, they end up finding worthy candidates. Yeah, broaden the field a little bit. Yeah, if you're looking for the best and brightest, they're not all going to be white men of wealth, you know. It's going to be a wide cross-section of people if you're truly getting the best and brightest in each respective field. But our country insists on not doing that. Continue. Generation after generation, allowing certain people to gain status and privilege and positions of high power simply because they're the descendants of wealthy people. And there's a bunch of them in government. You know, they were born into privilege, and so they were on a certain path that was kind of paved for them. And what they do with their power is making sure that that path is easier and easier for the subsequent generations of their very specific type, born into very extreme wealth. Let's make it as easy as possible. That's the whole purpose for lowering taxes on the wealthy in corporations, to make the wealthiest lives even easier so they can earn money, retain massive amounts of money even easier off of owning stuff where people work at day after day after day and earn some sort of nominal wage that they're going to try their darndest to pay all their bills with and hopefully have a little fun with too. But it gets tougher and tougher. And more and more people just slip between the cracks. As enough people embrace that kind of policy, trickle-down economics, we're several generations into it now, where of, you know, that sort of economic policy as a, a matter of policy. We're going to give more money to the people with the most. They're going to spend it freely. And it will slowly trickle down to the masses. And that is the economic policy of the Republican Party, one of the two options represented. In 2017, the Republican Party reinforced this message of trickle-down economics as a matter of policy. When they, including Republican Party nominee and president at the time, just a month into his tenure, signed a tax bill into the legislation that lowered the tax rate, tax rate for the wealthiest individuals in this country and the big massive corporations that they tend to own. 
corporate minimum tax rate was denied. There's still not one. There's still big, massive entities that have billions in revenues, pay executive leadership massive amounts of money, pay up massive amounts and dividends and such that pay almost nothing in actual corporate tax. Whatever state they're in, there might be some sort of stale tax or something, but that's possibly it. Public Power is the organization that writes those specific types of laws. Tax loopholes, in many cases, are not accidents. They're very specific provisions created to benefit very specific types of people. People who make money in very specific ways. Paper, exchanging hands, ownership stakes, exchanging from one thing to another. The supposed value of one thing based off of a, an over-appraising, and then for insurance purchases, maybe the opposite. Overpraising and underpraising. Something Trump's accused of doing now for decades. Republican Party nominee. It's very fitting that he was their last nominee and the guy they've stuck with for so long. It really, it pulled them out, them were like really out of the closet really in a certain way. Like they were trying to pretend like they gave a shit about regular people. It's like, no, they're, they're the organization that protects the interests of the wealthy and powerful. And man, did they lean into it during the Trump era. Talk about a wealthy, powerful guy that of little to any real substance. He's just kind of a clownish figure for decades and becomes a game show host. But he's the guy that they go all in on. I mean, if, if ever there was a guy that was willing to lie to people's faces while his true intent was bettering his own interests, man, it was certainly Donald John Trump. Promises a bunch of regular folk the building of a wall because Chicanos are stealing your job because of that open border. Yeah, it's their fault that you lost the job. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's why it is. That's why you lost your job in some area that's, no, that's thousands of miles away from the Mexican border. Um, you, Chicanos are walking across without paperwork. And, uh, and, that, and that's why, that's why Latinos of various, various countries, you know, south of the border, they're, they're walking across the desert without their paperwork, and that caused you to lose your job. So we're going to build a wall to solve that. It's going to cost massive amounts of money, but don't worry, Mexico's going to pay for it. Mexico right away says, no, we're not. It's not so many words. Uh, but, yep, that, that's the main kind of thing. He also promised that Hillary Clinton was going to go to jail because she sent the emails from a private server. Uh-oh. Um, wait, what? <laughs> I never quite understood that whole controversy. Why does she need to go to jail again? Just, just like right away without a trial. What is the specific crime? I never never got that one. I, I get that it worked on the Fox News card, but I don't... Like, did they really think that was going to work on, like, a, a true moderate? Yeah. She sent emails from, while she was Secretary of State, and then a foreign embassy was invaded. It's 100% her fault. She should go to jail. Like, what? Huh? Vote for me. It, but it worked. You know, that was Trump's vote for me. Hillary Clinton sent emails. Lock her up. And I heard the chant with my own ears. Saw saw them saw the big 800 or so folk with my own eyes. You know, chanting and wearing the costumes and the whole bit. 
saw them get all excited as he pointed at a protester and they yelled chump 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 and security came and escorted that protester out I guess or something yeah. but fucking trippy Trump era is definitely a trippy weird era that's like I think people are there's a certain fatigue but you can't you, you can't this is the time where you gotta suck it up a little bit you know like we fucked up we can't just like stick our heads in the sand and hope it goes away like he, he was put in a position of power for a reason you know he he got conservative judges confirmed you know he got judge other judges pointed on the appellate court and stuff you know like like he he implanted a certain type of ideology as as a as a mainstream accepted thing an embracement of fascist style government here in the United States of America that's what he was proposing and advocating for a violently oppressive, cruel, corrupt government that bends over backwards to protect the interests of the affluent and powerful and really clamps down hard on anyone that speaks out against it in any way, shape, or form, even if they're just peacefully assembling. There'll be like malicious, unarmed, you know, unmasked, fucking without insignia anywhere on their uniform that just appear on the streets this you know a secret police there's no way other to describe them they got helmets blocking their face off and they their signals taped over and shit who who are these agents and they just start arresting people that are out in the streets walking around saying stuff with signs and whatnot but other people are committing crimes they're not really part of this peaceful protest each specific crime isn't being investigated as a crime. The whole mass of people are being treated as criminals because some criminal activity is being engaged in by this peripheral group. But the main mass of people walking in the streets together in unison, saying stuff, those are the ones that receive the immediate clampdown, you know, from these agents that just appear on the scene and it's you know it's televised it's shown on news and such and a few years go by it's like that's that's in our memory banks now people and then the people that experienced that that experienced it you know it's not like it came out of nowhere either there's always been that sort of violently oppressive state element of our society there's always been this tug and pull to gain more and more rights for the people and there's ever been this ever push to deny it and the way that it's been denied by the state in many cases is through a pretty extreme violence you know um, and then the encouraging of those that support that ideology to engage in it as well and then to the point of even pardoning violent acts condoning it those that act violently towards protesters are acceptable you know don't act violently towards the the fascists but if you act violently towards the peaceful protesters they'll encourage that <laughs> pretty insane and man did they lean into it over the years holy crap like it's just I don't understand how long they can get away with it there's a lot of people in this country vast majority whether they've throughout their life of whatever political organization they've identified with 
vast majority of those people do not condone violence towards other folks because you disagree with them and stuff. Most people agree with the right to assemble and agree with the core principles of our country, right to free speech. You have a right to speak out against the government. You have a right to speak out against the government and assemble. Donald Trump's uh, January 6th thing, he gets his folks all riled up, speaks to them, and then right at the end there, said, now I know we're all excited and fired up and pissed off at this country, but we cannot engage in violence and we must do everything we think and regress, which you transition it, you diffuse it in the moment right there, at least he could have in everything he can, but he, he was unwilling to do that. He was unwilling to admit defeat, accept defeat. You know, instead encouraged violence. Stepping a little bit beyond just protected free speech. You're not allowed to necessarily encourage violence. But you can certainly voice your concerns, say stuff. You can even say stuff that's not necessarily true. Doesn't mean you're going to get arrested. You know, or something. But this is America. But he definitely pushed, pushed the limits of uh, what our principles can handle. You know, and still call ourselves democratic. You know, we, we bestowed power upon that guy due to a technicality that we haven't fixed yet. You know, the Electoral College. He lost the vote of the people by a lot, five million. But the Republic said, well, we're going to give it to him anyway. You know, and the news chose to announce it on election night as that way too, even though the actual true election to have him become the president didn't happen until about 30 days after the people voted. So he finished in second place by about 5 million. And that's a fact. But this weird, strange technicality that we just can't seem to get rid of. No, if you, if you live a certain part of the country, your, your vote should mean more. It should have a different value than people living in other areas. Because people that live in multicultural, diverse areas, they all vote Democrat, says the folks that don't live there. You know. But that's not what it is. I live in a quote-unquote blue state, and I see MAGA stickers and gold branding and all, all the like all the time. See it just about every single day. No, they do stand out. Yeah, of course. They look kind of odd, but whatever. They're fellow Washingtonians, man. Whatever. We're a wide mix of folk here in the state of Washington. And yeah, still to this day, April 2023, there are still MAGA folk around. They're just less adorned, I would say. Maybe less real boastful and bringing up the Trump thing in public to random strangers and whatnot. But some of those are still around. You see them from time to time. There's still plenty of Trump stickers around, but yeah, they, they do definitely stand out. They're, they're not the norm. Most people aren't real into that kind of thing. Trumpism, American fascism, catering to the interests of the government to protect one guy, Donald John Trump, famous dipshit from the 80s and 90s who was a D-list celebrity and again, yada, yada, yada. He was famous for bankrupting companies, cheating on his wives, being racist and sexist and stupid. He had cameo in Home Alone 2, was a freaking guest of the Howard Stern Show. After his sixth bankruptcy, he disappeared for a few years. And then the producer of a game show called Survivor wanted Donald John Trump to be the host of a business-themed one, thus reviving Donald John Trump's career, if you want to call it that. 
many decades in the limelight for being a dipshit, but the inheritor of a massive fortune. Thus, it didn't really matter how much of a fuck-up he was. If he wanted to be famous, he got to be famous. And there's a certain value in fame, too, so sometimes he even got to be paid simply because he was already famous. Famous because he was wealthy. Wealthy because he was born wealthy. No, not a successful businessman. Nope. That's not really sure where that myth started or who bought into that. Or, it was never really presented that way the whole time. You know, that's not how news presented him live throughout the 80s and 90s, you know. Um, and then the game show was a game show. It's a produced TV show. He's playing the character Donald John Trump. And the character Donald John Trump on the show, The Apprentice, was a highly successful, respected business person. And then the, the reality part is real live recent college graduates from business school lining up around the block to be his apprentice. Whatever the fuck that means. You know, what 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 do you actually do? You know, like what what you probably do all the work. He gives some vague instructions and then you but he'll be mostly talking about the color of the curtains on his wall and what kind of desk he has in his office and gloating about various accomplishments and shit. Like what is his business? You know, you're gonna just have to figure that out on your own. He's he's just some dumb shit that inherited a bunch of money. But you know, that story was revealed, oh, I don't know, <laughs> nearly 40 years ago, you know, but what are you going to do, you know, uh, one of the two options were presented, decided to nominate the guy, they didn't really want to, there was a lot of internal angst about it, but their, their two other finalists were only Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, and they kind of knew, even though it's their turn to win, yeah. One of those two might have a tough time with Hillary, but I don't know. I, <laughs> I have a feeling that however many folks have voted for Trump, if the other option, if it wasn't Trump and instead it was Cruz or Rubio, yeah, they probably would have just still voted Republican. And so the Republican candidate probably would have gotten more votes because there would have been more of true moderates that would have been willing to consider the Republican candidate. But instead, there was many people that generally voted Republican that instead voted like constitutionalists or something. They couldn't vote Democrat because, you know, Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But they couldn't go Trump because he's Trump. You know. The cat came out of the bag before the game show even came out. And the game show was like 20 years ago now. You know, like the cat was already out of the bag that he was a con man. And that's, you know. Somehow, though certain storytellers got to present a different story that would but it's like it's too late man what do you what I, that's why i never understood what the apprentice was is this satire is it like making fun of the business world or i could never get into it because it's like he's not a successful business person you know he's famously bad but there are real live business graduates eagerly wanting to be his apprentice any fame is good fame so just get some publicity, doing the best you can to try to look somewhat business professional, you know, even though you're going to be around Trump and he's going to be saying stuff, being Trump, you know, somehow, some way you're going to try to be professional about it. But it's going to be difficult, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know.
And now he's, uh, you know, facing the case in Manhattan. Once that one's done, then the one in Georgia. And once that one's done, then the one after that. They'll just kind of go in sequence. They, they can't really overlap. All the while, is the Republican Party just going to stick with him? Is Fox News still going to try to tell its viewers to keep going Trump? It's, it's all a witch hunt, everything. The entirety of his story is all one big, massive witch hunt going all the way back to the 1970s. Yeah. Him and his father refusing to rent their condos to minorities. That was, that was the beginning of the witch hunt. You know, like before I was even born. Yeah. News just talking about him and just telling what was going on in his life as if it was news. He cheated on his wife again. He, he paid for an ad in the New York Post demanding that the death penalty be brought back. I, that was a news story when I was a kid that I saw. That was, that's what made the news. He's doing something really racist and blatant and stupid. And he's even spending his own money to express that message. Yeah, and that made the news, you know. So that's that's what he did when he started getting, the, when the fame started rolling in again, the height of that show that he was the host of, and he got a salary to be the host of a game show. He used that platform to start saying really racist, dumb stuff. You know, it was perfect timing. A first African-American president. So, yeah, that's that's what Trump wanted to focus on. He, he didn't want... He was, he's, he's a known old racist guy. You know, that's part of the story. Well, where did that get lost? Why is that... Why did that get lost in the narrative along the way? I don't... I don't... That, that part's just confusing. I remember meeting this one dude on a work site... And he was like, Trump got us got an award. Like, what? It, the, yeah, there's a picture online somewhere you can dig it up of Trump with this that stupid smile, and he has a certificate in his hands that says Civil Rights Award or something. He was probably on the voting panel for it or something. He, he would do that at times. Like, he would be on the voting panel. He would buy the rights to some recognition, and then he would vote for himself to be the winner of the award. That he's the only voting member of and stuff. I'm not sure if that award that he won for race relations or whatever the fuck, civil rights, <laughs> back in the day, what that was really about. But some people will point to that as if, like, yep, see, he's not racist. There's there's the picture of him holding a certificate. Yep. Or it'll be like, well, what about the people that, are, that, that have the shirt to say blacks for Trump? See, he's not racist because there you go. And, and they're the only ones, all of them that came dressed like that, they're all on stage. And they kind of stand out. And stand out for a reason. But no, Trump's not racist, because yeah, see, blacks for Trump. And then there's those those two ladies that were really into him. Yeah. And yeah, see, he has some supporters. Some. There's, there's got to be at least a solid 3% of the African-American population that loves Donald John Trump and thinks he's just the coolest guy ever. Yeah, a battle of Latinos, it's a solid 20, maybe it's high, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's a primarily a particular crowd, yeah. It's a, it, because, I don't know, I think it gets when, in, when it gets into identity and race and stuff like that, it, it, it gets a little blurry, like what people are and what they identify as and what the kind of, what they want to be and stuff maybe or something, I don't know. Trump's message was a, a particular thing throughout the whole time. Very much divisive and hate-filled and fear-mongering, and he was always that, you know. That was always part of his story. 
going way, way back. You know, that's why when he would make WWE appearances, he was perfect for it, you know. That's, you know, it's kind of schlocky and dumb, but he was perfect for that kind of thing, you know. And if you just stayed there, if you're into him, that's how you can go see him. He'll make appearances at WWE events, be a guest, guest on the Howard Stern show, and whatever, make cameos in movies. For me personally, that was annoying enough, and that was enough exposure plenty, you know. Because he would get paid for all that, a lot of that kind of stuff, you know. Money, More money would roll in because he's this wealthy asshole guy that just kind of does whatever he wants and never has to pay any consequences ever, no matter how bad he fucks up, no matter how colossal the fuck up is, no matter how seemingly illegal it is. It just seems like it doesn't really matter. He's still flying around on a private jet and living a real fancy life and, you know, because, yeah... He was born into a certain rung of the ladder that, again, extremely basic, basic, basic investments. A, a fixed annuity, a group of fixed annuities. You inherit $400 million. Let's drop it down to $100 million that you invest into the fixed annuity. And just make sure it pays you a couple million a year. Yeah, you can easily do that. Forever. The $2 million just divided into monthly installments. So whatever that works out to over 100000 a month. Could you survive off of $100,000 a month in non-taxable income? Just a monthly allowance of 100 and 200000 a month? What if it was like three or 400000 a month? Which is probably more apt, closer to what Trump's. If he had a wealth advisor that invested in the trust fund that was created for him in the proper things, that's what it would be able to do. Just a monthly allowance of virtually non-taxable income of several hundred thousand a month forever really just never runs out that could afford a very comfortable lifestyle you could spend every single penny of it every single month and it wouldn't matter more comes in every month you don't have to buy things that retain value and you certainly don't have to spend it on things that are philanthropic you know there's tax things if you do but he's found that the best way to avoid taxes is to Spend his money a lot on sort of creating businesses. Use a lot of the business protection of the business to write off personal expenses. So really to use the, the shell of the business to conduct his own personal life, you know, and to fund his life. And then to once the expenses are dried up, or, all, you know, the revenues are dried up, all the capital of the, com- of the entity, of the shell, then you just you bankrupt it and then you just create a new one. And he's been doing that out in the open for years and years and years now. And he was attempting to do that with, really, the United States of America, to really just, to seemingly just kind of run the debt so high that it, we really have to just declare a certain type of bankruptcy. You know, <laughs> uh, which is how we, you know, acquired certain portions of the land, certain, it was sold to us, you know. So, like, yeah, I think he was kind of moving towards more of a, like, let's, run up the debt so massively that we just are sort of forced to declare bankruptcy. The deficit did increase massively under Donald John Trump's reign, the beginning of which started with the Republican Party cutting taxes for the wealthy and corporations, meaning there's less tax revenue coming in now, and that continued for several years. What it also means is that the owners of the economy were allowed to retain a greater level of the revenues that go into the entities that they own. Yeah. So less monies have to be paid to the people doing all the work now. 
yeah so so but the wealthiest do have more money that's that's what the main thing that happened over the last many years since the Republican Party cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations. Billionaires have more billions. Each one billion is 1,000 millions. So that's a lot of millions. Crap tons of money. And we know the names. Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett. Yeah, they're all worth more in billions than they were before. And they were already worth billions with the B and plural. Again, each one is 1,000 millions. A lot of millions. Whereas Donald Trump on the billionaire list, it doesn't matter whether he's a billionaire or only, only quote unquote, worth three or 400 million. It, it doesn't matter. You know, he, he can maintain a perpetual life of affluence as long as he doesn't break the law too overtly. And, uh, yeah. The exposure of being president was just a bit too much exposure to how he conducts his business. He probably would have paid, faced some sort of criminal charge at some point anyway. Republicans' choice to pick him was theirs. That doesn't mean that Donald Trump is now immune from criminal prosecution. You know, he, he's been skirting the law for a long, long time now, and that was known. Books have been written about it. One of the two political organizations that were presented as an option choosing to ignore all that because they couldn't find a worthy candidate amongst the ranks, that's that organization's problem, you know. They picked a candidate with serious red flags, known criminal connections, known nefarious way of conducting business, you know. This was all known about the man, and they picked him anyway, even though he also had zero experience, none. It literally said that on the ballot. They picked him anyway. When he led an entire campaign was advocating violence, his, the entire genesis of his campaign was Barack Obama wasn't born in America, he says. Because, well, why did he say that? Well, because of what Barack Obama's name is and what he looks like. That's why Donald Trump said he wasn't born in America. Yeah. Hawaii isn't in the United States of America, and it had already become a state by the time Barack Obama was born there. It had already been a state for several years at that point. His, his mother was born in Kansas, if that makes any difference. And she was a white lady. Does that make any difference? I don't know. The fact that his father was born in Kenya is really irrelevant. Barack Obama was born in Hawaii, and that's a U.S. state. It's not in the contiguous. That That's also irrelevant. It's one of the 50 states, you know? It's, it was such a stupid idiotic controversy but the most annoying part about it, not so much the Trump saying it because you know that's just Trump being Trump kind of like the party said let him be him but the airing it as news you know giving him so much oxygen to his bullshit that was the frustrating part why is it news that the host of a game show is saying racist stuff well the the show deciding to cancel a show that that's the news part you don't need to air Donald Trump's live press conference, though. And then, well, now he's wanting to be president again. He's run many times before as a reformed, as a Democrat, now a Republican again. But why does it need to be news? Can't that be TMZ, Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood? Isn't that their arena? D-list celebrity game show host guy who's going to be running for president as a publicity stunt.
is running for president as a publicity stunt again. Okay, they can handle that. That's what they do. They handle celebrity pop culture bullshit type stuff. You know, the ongoings of Donald John Trump. Tonight on Access Hollywood, TMZ, Entertainment Tonight, yada, yada, yada. But instead, it was like MSNBC, CNN, you know, Fox News, of course, ABC, NBC, you know, all, all news that they started covering Donald John Trump is saying racist, stupid shit. Let's cover it live, unedited, while you're trying to eat dinner. Well, that's annoying. Damn. Yeah. But so it goes. So hopefully with this uh, the, this weight that's now sitting in Manhattan District Court, you know, waiting trial and all that, and updates soon, hopefully soon there'll be a, a more quicker dissipating of his ideology and any others aspiring new versions of his ideology. Santism? You know, Ron DeSantis, DeSantisism. You know, each version of American fascism is this going to be whatever its dear supreme leader is, and then kind of, you know, but basically the same thing, just violently oppressing those that disagree, banning books. DeSantis is real into that. Um, there's a, a spike in violent crime. Let's reduce access. Let's make it easier to access violent weaponry, and that's something DeSantis, governor of Florida, is doing now. There's been a spike in violent crime with assault weapons, so now let's make it easier to access assault weapons. Let's ramp it up. Yeah, I don't really have any desire to go to Florida anytime soon right now. Like, woo, that state's got to get its shit together. They, that, that guy's got to go. Uh, as in just voted out, you know, like, uh, that whole plane with fire thing, you know, like, and, and then just the, the sort of distorting rhetoric and distorting verbiage to try to, you know, justify, hey, we're going to have a ban on military-style assault weapons, but that means that, or really just a restriction, because anything that's banned, you still get it or whatever, but it would be much more difficult for the average citizen to get Weapons that are specifically designed for war. Does not infringe the Second Amendment. Doesn't have anything to do with the Second Amendment. It's not even it's not even in the provision of the Second Amendment necessarily. It's just a specific gun on you know, a specific product restriction. Really, you know, there's all kinds of other products within the category, and then there would be specific prisons provisions for, okay, well, if you meet this very specific criteria and you want to access things, well, then don't you do? Well, I don't want to. Well, then don't get it. You try to buy in the black market, then you're buying a weapon on the black market. There's certain penalties for that. You also be aiding and abetting, you know, organized crime units and stuff. And stuff. I, you know, we got to come to something, you know, when, the, when those, some of those uh, laws are written at the foundation of our country, there's certain types of people and they're writing it with a certain state of technology as well and you know and the second amendment as written it's it's not just right to bear arms and that's it. it it has other verbiage in there you know and so very specific things would help if the people that are real into guns 
could help write it, you know, so that they themselves aren't the ones, because I give two fucks about gun. Very pro-Second Amendment, but, yeah, I, don't, I have no desire to own one, and I, I definitely don't really want to be living in areas where, well, let's, let's make it just easier for whoever and anybody to get the most lethal kind of weaponry imaginable. Uh, why? What? Come, what? You know that's not the answer. It, 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 this thing, it's just this, look, playing it fine, see what happens, see what kind of, how close does it affect you? It's just fucked up, you know? There's obviously better solutions to it. And But the thing is, the people that know the solutions are the people that are the most objecting to them, you know? The people that need to write the best gun advocacy laws are the ones that are the gun enthusiasts, you know, because they could write the very specific verbiage that would only really negatively affect a small portion, you know. It's like, the, the, and then the, the people that are very conscious, good, honorable people that, gun collectors and stuff, and they want to be able to access the particular type, yeah, they know how to write those provisions in a certain way where people like them could access said weaponry, but the people that are not like them will not be able to. Yeah, that needs to be done, but the specific verbiage on what that is, it needs to be written by people that are into the guns. People like me, quote-unquote lefty, leftist hippie liberals, are not. Even though one of my main goals as a little kid was to grow up and to be a Marine, you know, and I always had certain aspirations for it, and even a few times in college, drifted towards it post-9-11. Thoughts of joining the United States Marine Corps and becoming an officer. I am thankful, though, that that particular route didn't come to fruition. I may not be alive today. Joining the Marine Corps in 2004 is a very particular choice. If you had done that, you know, I was thinking of it strongly, but I did not. And, uh, you know, many didn't. They are no longer with us. Some do come back, but they carry it with them for the rest of their lives. We call it, like, post-traumatic stress disorder and some sort of simplified thing. But it's human beings that were in, you know, horrifying conditions, extreme vitality, pure survival mode at times, and then they come back to sort of, quote-unquote, normal. And they, But they have that with them for the rest of their life. Of course... Bunga Boy is also the organization will spend massive amounts of money on, you know, training, weaponry, long deployments, long extended stays in foreign countries, and sending lots and lots of human beings to those places to engage in ongoing, long, lethal battles that just violent, long, arduous on the on humans, you know, that takes a toll on people. But then, yeah, just just kind of, I guess it's, it's almost just kind of a fuck off once their time in the service is done. You know, not a whole lot, really. You know, there's, there's some basic stuff, GI Bill and stuff, but needs to be a lot more. The amount of money that's invested into weaponry and training and, you know, training them to be highly lethal killing machines, it's, uh, forgets that the other still human though they got to come back to being human once once war is over whenever that is you know once they get back to society then what you know a lot of people that vote on military spending seem to forget about that part you know 
and how it affects people is going to vary from person to person. There's no, you know, you, you can't, that's where the military does, you know, that's where they, they struggle because they, they, they want to nut, nut and bolt it type thing. They want to have a very specific kind of protocol for each specific thing. And it's like, you're talking about human beings dealing with the stress and insanity of war and then afterward and then trying to live normal lives after. That, 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 that's not something that's just going to be in the fucking manual, you know, protocol says this, this, you know, boom. But that's how it seems like a lot of them almost VA and providing care to its retired and, you know, veterans. It's uh, not that great. Most of the focus is on the ongoing engagements of battle, but not so much what happens when those battles are over to the human beings involved in the battles and the wars. Some of those battles and wars were long, long ago, but some of the human beings that fought in them are still around, you know, and some of them, many of them slipped between the cracks long ago, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't a system properly to take care of them after they got back from all that, you know, system forced them to go off to war, go fight. Some of them didn't come back, but then the ones that did, they were never the same, you know? And there wasn't much to provide for them. They just had to kind of figure it out. I don't know. I'd like to see more uh, a diffusing of the big, these big massive power interests, you know? Toxic masculinity, if you will, you know? These big sort of overindulgent sociopathic males that always want more power. And convince uh, other dudes that have the best intentions. You know, devotion to country and such. But it's really for some of these power-hungry leaders. It's more. It's just about power. That's it. They just want more of it. They can never have enough. So you need to get more people that are more concerned with the interests of the people. People of this country should have the right to use a doctor. Go to a doctor if they're sick. If they need medical treatment, they should be able to get it. We're a first world industrialized nation. Massive amounts of money that are generated in this country. We can certainly afford to have hospitals that take care of human beings when they get sick. And so we should have that in this country. Common term for that is universal health care. Yeah. It means that we would fund hospitals and highly trained medical staff, medical schools as well, nursing schools as well, to make sure that we have an appropriate, you know, pay scale as well, just like in the military for public health care professionals to draw talent, if you will, just like corporations do, but not but draw, just like the military does, not drawing talent purely for the money, but enough to, yeah, that's what you could do full-time is this particular career. Yep, still all the accreditation required to become certain positions and said thing, yeah. We should have that. Hospitals with medical staff. People devoted to taking care of humans when they get sick and need medical treatment. We should have that in this country. Why not? You know, why not have a hospital in your city? What's the objection to it? What's the objection to being able to go into a doctor if you're sick? If you feel like you need medical treatment, well, then go to the hospital. If it's an emergency, go to the emergency room. Now, why should you have to pay out of pocket at that moment? 
You know, so public health care is, yeah, the hospital is still a hospital. Yeah. It's just funded properly so it can properly take care of the humans that are in the area. So we should have that in this country. And yes, the common term to describe that is universal health care. It would mean that a very particular product that is in high demand out of necessity in this country currently may become far less in demand in the future. And that particular product is called health insurance. It's a product where you pay a monthly fee to a for-profit company. And if you do need to go to a doctor, you pay a small fee to the hospital or to the doctor called the deductible. And then you'll get a bill, but the insurance company that you've been paying a monthly fee for will pay a portion of the bill. Yeah. So that's a that's a particular product that you almost kind of have to have if you want to go to a doctor because we do not publicly fund hospitals. Yeah. They're all kind of privately funded and stuff. So that's how they pay for their costs. Let's do that. Intermediary. Now, the insurance company is a for-profit company, so they use most of the premiums that you're paying them not to take care of for the or take pay for the cost of your health care. No, it's mostly to increase shareholder value. That's the purpose of that entity. So most likely, yes, if we, if we do have public health care, uh, universal health care, hospitals and paramedics, fire departments, police departments, well, kind of fall into that kind of category, really. Uh, if you have universal health care, meaning hospitals and paramedics, hospitals with doctors and nurses, they would work in the hospital to take care of humans when they get sick. Those places and those staff would, would be paid for. Yeah, with, with with the public fund, yeah. Yes, there would still be a whole crap ton of businesses and stuff that would exist, of course. Why, why would businesses cease to exist? Because now there's a hospital in your city, you know, that has highly trained medical staff that take care of humans when they get sick. Why would that mean there's no longer a business going on? You know, why would there no longer be restaurants and stores to spend money at? Well, there's a hospital in town now that's, taking care of people great so you know once they get healed they can go back to work and go on living their lives um, the Republican Party is the organization that over the last many years has been most concerned with that very particular product health insurance how does that product continue to remain viable in a society in which healthcare is just a right many people would probably say why am I paying for this thing seems kind of dumb. I'm not getting anything out of it. I pay them a monthly fee every month and then I don't ever get a hospital bill. So what am I paying for? You know? And yeah, that that's kind of why we don't have healthcare as a right. Because it would have a very negative effect on certain sectors of the economy. Certain very specific products that insurance companies sell would become far less in demand. Yeah. But the cost of healthcare would go dramatically down because it would just be cost. What is the cost to have a hospital of X square feet, staffing X number of people, blah, yada, yada, paying them whatever, boom, it's a cost. You know, what are the supplies? Those are costs. So we know those. In the current system, healthcare costs are highly inflated due to 
to the intermediary, the health insurance company. Pay us a monthly fee. We're going to use a huge portion of that to cover our overhead, paying out dividends to shareholders, paying bonuses to the execs. certain portion of every dollar you pay them is going to those. And that's the main purpose for that entity existing. It gets kind of lost in the shuffle, though. And then the other one, of course, public education. You have public schools, K through 12, as well as publicly funded universities, where uh, citizens and, well, even artisans, you know, they have a wide variety of acceptance standards. There's a lot of foreign exchange students like to go to public universities here in the States, you know. Schools have various admission standards, you know. But, uh, yeah, if your person wants to go to a public university or if you graduate, go ahead and apply. And if accepted, you can you can start going. If it's a publicly funded university. And that'll include the cost of you know, of going to school. So your books and whatnot. So if you want to live somewhere there in town or whatever and that's cool, you might either borrow money or get a job. But you're not gonna be paying tuition or for books. And some schools might even have some sort of public housing type thing for full-time students that's basically just provided to them if you're a full-time student or whatever or maybe even some sort of uh, where you achieve a certain GPA you're allowed to live here and it's real nice but no you still don't have to pay a monthly fee to live there because you're a full-time student going to public university and the buildings that you're living in are owned by the university that's getting public funded. It'll, uh, the university will be able to generate revenues in other ways and stuff too but you know that'll just be like a way to lure students in that want to go there because it'll be more wide open obviously once public education is funded thoroughly anybody you know anybody who wants to go will be able to go each university still has its admission standards so it becomes just naturally more competitive there's many people that just rule it out as an option early on because they might be a decent student but they're from lower levels of the ladder they don't really want to borrow tons of money to go to school but it's a good experience you know, it just opens it up. It's a, it's a priceless experience, and that's why we charge a lot of money for it. So the main uh, group that would uh, have issues or have problems with public education, public university, is the intermediary in that case is financial institution, financial loan lenders. That's a very particular product that they sell that would become far less in demand if... You don't have to pay to go to a university. If it's just a publicly funded university, you apply and accept it, you start going. You'd be borrowing money from those institutions at a much lower amount. So hence, that's one of the main reasons for not funding public education. There's a concern about how it would affect certain financial sectors. And that's more what it's about. Some people like to complain about, well, like when I was certain age I had to pay or something but that that's that's it's just kind of irrelevant yeah in the past since things were a certain way and now we're in the present and so if we did as citizens decide that publicly funded universities are publicly funded now then that's what they are each school is its own thing you know and has its own way of finding what the best students are to meet its what its capacity is for enrollment each school is its own thing. It's a pers aspiring, you know, candidate 
to go to those schools. Is there any reasons for going to pick a different, picking a different school and whatever? And then those that aren't accepted to the four-year community college, you know, a little two-year college in your hometown. I went to one of those for a couple of years. Even got to run cross country for my community college. They actually had a few different sports, basketball and soccer. And then we had a cross country team that I would competed for. It's a good experience and and got me rolling. Once I got two years under my belt at college, it was easier just to move on to a full year pretty seamlessly. I already had college credit. Once you get college credit going, it's a lot, it just makes that a little easier to get accepted to the full year. You know? Kid from a trailer park, no one on that's a family ever got a degree. First one to get a college degree on that side. Be nice if uh, those types of opportunities were just more open, and when you graduate college, you don't have a big massive debt. So those aren't safety nets; those kind of things. Public health care, public education—they're just uh, fertile ground for the citizens of this country to dig into, you know, and to prosper in, prosper from. Like it's just—it's uh, just. It's just allowance for more opportunity because these are priceless things. Good health, education. But just because they're priceless doesn't mean you need to allow certain entities to charge massive amounts of money for them. So as you vote, who are you really voting for? What are you voting for? What is that candidate really representing? What interests are they truly representing? What is their actual legislative voting history? Truly, they're a brand new candidate. You really got to dig deep. They got a particular letter next to the name. You really got to ask them a lot of questions. That are next to their name in the modern era with no equating. And if they start using certain verbiage right off, well, then you know. Boom. They're proudly displaying that R not, and not admonishing any members of the R. And you know what that means. They support tax cuts for the wealthy, tax cuts for corporations. They support cutting funding to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, public education, and infrastructure. They support denying public health care as a right, denying public education as a right. They're proudly displaying it without any explanation. If they go right into socialist agenda, liberals are this and that and the other. Trump is being which and be real yeah. That's what it really means. That's the translation. They support tax cuts to the wealthy and corporations. A certain percentage of the working class folk watch conservative media. They're the only ones that are gonna vote for that particular R. So that R is only gonna speak to that crowd and alienate the majority. And then once they get power, yeah, they're going to cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations. And then deny funding to any program that's going to benefit the world. Common person. The wealthy will get wealthier. Wealth gap will get to massive heights. It becomes an absurd weight. At some point, there is a breaking point. You, know, you can only have so many of the common folks slipping between the cracks, grinding day after day, week after week, and barely getting anywhere while they see the people that own the company they work for and how they live and what they have to do 
to be able to live that way. How much more money is coming their way from people that they voted for? You know, billionaires in this society have more billions coming to them because of, directly because of, Republican Party tax cuts near seven years ago or six years ago. They got a tax cut. The wealthiest, the billionaires, more billions, thousands of millions. A big massive infrastructure project here in the city I'm in. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Thousands of man hours and all that kind of thing. It's only a few hundred million. But individual humans in this society increase their wealth by billions because the entities they own increased in value because those entities they own also had their tax rate lowered. And some of these entities they own are big, massive capitalized entities that own all kinds of stuff. Some cases, big, massive real estate holdings and such. Where developments can be made. Raising the cost to live in said places, but not necessarily wages. Yeah. A lot of times that's what happens when the wealthy get the tax cut. They can make improvements, increasing the value of their properties and such, thus increasing the rent and such and Morgan costs and stuff and whatever. But people living in said areas aren't necessarily making more money. It's supposed to trickle down, though, at some point, eventually. If you cater directly to the wealthy, you can you can get a little surplus. Like if you're, if you're involved in those sort of improvements on their properties, they have extra money now so they can make some improvements. But some of them will just hold on to the money, and so now their net worth is more now. And, that, and that's it. There's, there's not really any benefit to the regular person. So it begs the question... Why are people representing the interest of people spending so much time creating laws specifically catering to such a tiny percentage of the populace and, and such a and a group that really doesn't need any government intervention? They certainly don't ever need their tax rate lowered, ever. Well, why spend any time out of the day having their that very particular group their tax rate lowered? If anything, it should only be raised. There's no reason to ever lower the billionaire class's tax rate. They're the billionaire class. Billions. Don't, I'm not sure if people don't understand how much money that is. They think one, two, three or something. Oh, this person's 38 billion. And they just think 38 or something. They zone in on 38. That's 38,000 millions. Like each one of the billions is a thousand millions take the 400 million Donald John Trump inherited take 100 million of it invested in a fixed annuity earning 3% as long as you don't take out more than 3 million a year in the annuity yeah you'll be fine it'll never run out you'll be earning about 3 million a year in interest take out 2 million a year just to be nice and safe divide it into monthly installments you can pay you whatever that works out what is that over one million a month, or I mean one hundred thousand a month, and just an allowance. Could you make ends meet on that? And guess what? That's not even all your inheritance. And guess what? That's not even a billion. That's a few hundred million. The Republican Party is the organization that lowered people like that, very specific people like that, that have exorbitant sums of money. 
exorbitant sums where they never need more ever long ago they could have their wealth reduced by 90 percent and it wouldn't even matter they would still be able to secure an extremely affluent lifestyle in perpetuity by making very extremely elementary style investments fixed annuities extremely low risk former federal chairman of the reserve federal reserve chairman Bernanke, that's what he was mainly, almost exclusively invested in. They're very low risk and they're just very predictable. Annuitize them, they pay out a monthly, a monthly payment every month. And again, something very nominal, nowhere near a billion, less than half of a billion that Donald John Trump inherited. He could easily have had a trust fund that created for him, invest in some real basic stuff. Still plenty of room for him to play with, to invest in companies that buy real estate holdings that then go bankrupt and yada yada and you can write it off on his personal taxes but still plenty within the trust fund that would be invested in some annuities that pay him an allowance of several hundred thousand a month forever and that's what he really lives off use that that's his like personal expense account but then he can use some of this other fund to create a company that eventually goes bankrupt and then he can use that to write off on his taxes the annuity doesn't count as income In the Republican Party's organization that broadcast to the world six years ago that they, yes, they are the organization that protects very particular types of people. And they will bend over backwards, use all the resources at their power and to do that. And in that case, over the last six years, it was one very particular person. And they're kind of... So many of them are political opportunists, so they're trying to figure out a way how to dump them knowing that they did go all in you can't claim some of your chips back now you, you already went all in you, you know what do you got what what are you holding republican party what's your legislative agenda you 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 gave us donald john trump for many many years famous dipshit from the 80s and 90s who became a game show host uh had ran a horrid campaign of advocating violence and corruption and he was a clown you picked him anyway even though there was many that spoke out against him you excommunicated people that told the truth said that what Donald John Trump is doing is wrong you leaders in that organization cast those members out so I mean is it still just R or D you know, it's still going to continue that way. That's how it's going to be presented. It's like we, we got we to gotta get something rolling here, you know. It's just, it's beyond absurd, you know. The Republican Party went way, way too far. You know, they leaned way too into it. There's got to be some reckoning at the ballots. And it seems like we're beginning to see the beginnings, but even mainstream news, how they're presenting it, they're, they're insisting on it being... Two-horse race still to this day. Donald John Trump might be the Republican Party nominee. Well, then maybe it's time for some other organizations to be thrown into the hunt here because the Republican Party is, like, mailing it in. Wow. You know, legislative agenda, it's in, it's in a it's on a small notepad written, scribbled down in the back of Kevin McCarthy's pocket. That's their agenda. And he will hold it up and wave it around to you. There ain't nothing really on it. Yeah, they're going to protect Donald John Trump. They're going to go after anyone that has gone after him. 
They're going to say that everything he's done is good. He, he, he deserves more power. Anyone that's against him is a socialist. I mean, that, you know, their, their laws that are going to put women in jail for going to the doctor are saving babies now. That's what they're doing. And I, I don't know how long they can get away with this, you know, and but also how long media is just going to continue to present them as a legitimate option for most people. You know, like, I get it, folks who watch Fox News every day really still dig the Republican Party, but if he ain't doing the conservative media thing, it's just like, ugh, you know. Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Donald John Trump, I mean, again, it, it, it's repetitive for a reason. They're the organization that picked that fucking guy, you know, and for many, I would say in my generation, I would think it's a, it's a beyond surreal and stupid and just insane that they it, they actually did it. You know, they could have picked anyone in their ranks. The fact that they actually went through it is just beyond embarrassing. And that they couldn't hold them accountable. They had zero confidence in the vice president. It's just, how long does it go on? The entire country has to be kind of at a on hold and just this kind of sluggish kind of state kind of refusing to move forward because like just enough spread out in just the right way tuned into just specific sources believe stuff about the Republican Party that isn't really what they are you know and until that dissipates we're not really going to have new options we're not going to really find better ways better strategies you know to be more of a country, you know, that's has the interests of the people living in the country at my, in mind, you know, in creating laws and stuff, and not so much like oppressing people. And that seems to be the Republican Party's focus over the last many years, oppressing many folks within the common group that get in the way of earning profits for the tiny percentage that they represent, you know. Uh, it's a weird time from the ashes hopefully new growth comes the ashes being the Trump era you know there's no need for some sort of weird revolution thing it's an opening of the mind you know in some cases it's just a tuning off of certain sources you know and turning into the world you know breathing more you know for a lot of people, it's just more of that. Not embracing fear and hatred. You know. Instead, just focus on empathy. You know. Better ways. It's okay to strive to be better. I think it's even Donald Trump's wife's motto. Be better, isn't it? It's not too bad, actually. So let's be better. Let's vote better. Let's not just blindly vote based off the letter next to the person's name and if a very particular letter is next to their name let's ask a lot of questions who are they truly representing if they got that letter r next to their name who are they representing if they have the letter d next to their name still ask that damn question you, you know there's a couple of people with these next to their name that do not represent the people you know but they they both have the letter d next to their name joe manchin and sonoma yeah they're not they're not representing the people 
apparently they're kind of in the same crowd of the uh, Clarence Thomas uh, getting lots of money from billionaire guy crowd. You know, they, they, it seems like they were also in that list, I guess. So a little uh, nice little scandal going on American politique, as always. You know, it's never perfectly smooth. We've had plenty of blemishes along our way, but it's how we uh, resolve them and move forward. You know, we had quite a blemish over the last several years. It was quite an embarrassing stain on our history. It was, it was a, it's going to look pretty clownish through the lens of history, but also kind of dangerous, like what that could have been way, way worse. That's probably how history and historians will look at it if we resolve it properly, you know, and it's, it seems like the prosecution that's, you know, working these various cases are just getting the ducks in a row nice and tidy. There's, I mean, you're not going to win over everybody that was in the MAGA thing, but yeah, it's it's going to, the wind's kind of leaving the sails, I think, for some of the main heartbeats of the movement, I think, you know, it's just, there's only the amount of evidence and kind of sheer magnitude of the presentation of it, it, it can only go, get so big presented in so many ways before pe people have been with him a long time that a regular good hard-working folk start seeing what he really is and was the whole time you know like I don't really know how it got <laughs> it's like for me even as a kid it's not like he distorted himself all that well or something you know there, there was no he didn't really demonstrate a lot of good or something. And he wasn't really, like, advocating good. He was advocating kind of bad, you know, like, kind of the whole time. That's what he was... He, and he leaned into it. He was, a, he was a notorious character. But our country kind of forgot what that word meant. Famous fame, you know. There's no difference between notoriety and infamy and fame and, you know, being world-renowned, you know. It, it, they all just kind of blur together. So, it's a, it's a wake-up call of sorts, too, you know. It's it, There's going to be different ways of presenting this era that'll, I think, hopefully help avoid an, a, a Trump 2.0. Hope, you know, there's no need to ever come that, you know, flirting this close again with fascism because it, it gets messy. And we're a democratic society, so we have to resolve it democratically. You know, it, we invited it in. It implanted various advocates for its ways. But we have to act democratically in getting rid of it, even though it doesn't. You know, it, it's against it, you know, you know, the fascist elements. So it's it gets tricky, you know. But uh, nonetheless, we are a democratic society. We will remain peaceful. Those that are pro peace and democracy, understanding that yes, many within our, you know, democracy voted for inviting a fascist candidate in, and then that fascist candidate had democratic power to nominate real live people to positions of within the judicial system and stuff, you know, and sign laws. You know, so, but then, then it's also while you're the president, you're, you can't be charged with a crime. 
that's the ooh. for the aspiring fascist. That's a that's a very particular sort of thing that Donald Trump really liked right there. You know, you, you can't actually be charged with any, anything. Certain certain high, heightened level of uh, immunity. You had a certain level prior to that, just by being extremely wealthy. You know, he can afford highly expensive legal counsel anytime he got sued, which was, you know, in thousands. You know, he got sued often. This was often a new story there. Yeah. I don't know. I'm hoping people, more people that subscribe describe themselves as uh, conservative, Christian, hard-working, blue-collar folk, start questioning what it is the organization they've been voting for so long really is. What is that organization's true values? You know, Is it empathy? Is it hu- humanity? Are their values humane, truly? What are they truly about, legislatively? What, what's their true economic policy? How does it benefit the average person if the wealthiest get more money? Because we, we don't need to be theoretical when it comes to their tax policy. We already know what it is. It's to make sure that the wealthiest have the most. And it's called trickle-down economics. It's several generations whenever they have power. That's, that's exactly what they do time and time again. So you're a regular person. You voted for the Republican. In 2017, they cut taxes for the wealthiest, millionaires and billionaires, and that group now has more money now. So that was six years ago. How does that benefit you? You voted for it. That's what they did with their power. Again, they were, they were talking about stuff prior. You know, so I don't know. I'm hopeful, but realist too. <laughs> Things move slow in this country and people are stubborn. And uh, rhetoric is very powerful, so we'll see. But hopefully, the new options, many more options, get pre- presented that are focused on people's interests. You know, I think it'd be cool if there's more like regional political parties. You know, that get into Congress that maybe like you know caucus with like one, either one or something. But it's really its own thing. You know, because each region of the country is are different regions, you know, that have different concerns and stuff, and get kind of globbed into these national things that kind of suck, they kind of deflate a lot of things, so, it'd be nice if we were more cohesive, united, truly, with some, ba- at least some basic stuff, so make sure you're registered, stay safe out there, God bless. This is Gary, thinking out loud.